0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center Podcast. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Galatians 3, and we'll start in verse 26. I'm calling this message, Child of God. Child of God, and um, God was kind of speaking to me earlier. This is just a single message for you all tonight, so. um, But there are too many people um, who've been called sons and daughters of God who's still going around kind of carrying an orphan spirit, an orphan heart. And um, God kind of spoke to me about this um, subject, but we are no longer orphans. And, um, man, this is, this is really powerful, but, man, um, sons and daughters, there's something special about the, the, the heart, the, the spirit, the desires of sons and daughters. You know, sons of God, they have a desire to come home. They have a, they have a strong desire to, to come to those family reunions. You know, an orphan spirit, that kind of leads people into isolation. God does not call people into isolation. He actually places people in, in family, in relationships. So sons, they have a desire to be home. They have a desire to reunite. I remember when I first went off to college, I, I really liked coming back for Thanksgiving, coming back for Christmas, coming back on summer breaks. I, I especially loved coming back to this church. I kind of realized, like, I, I like seeing my parents, but after, after a week or two, I was kind of ready to have a little space. I was a man, you know, when I turned 18, and, and I appreciated my independence and my space. But I really, I really um, realized I loved coming back to this church. This church, this body of believers, was a, was a home to me. It was a family to me. So that, that was just in my heart. Um, sons and daughters, they have a strong desire for family, for authentic connection. Uh, sons and daughters are also not scared to take direction. I heard it well up here. There's some people who are actually, they, they kind of run away from family, run away from fathers, from mothers, because they don't want to take direction. They don't want to be held accountable. They just want to do what they want to, do what they want to. That, that's, that's an orphan heart that just causes people to just do what they want to. And in, or, in order to do what they want to, they kind of separate themselves, especially when they're about ready to go into season of, I'm going to do what I want to. So season, it can be a whole lifelong season, and that's, that's very tragic. So um, we are no longer orphans, amen? That's my first point tonight for this message called Child of God. We are no longer orphans, Galatians 3. Let's start here in verse 26. For you are all sons of God. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That is the only thing that qualifies you to become a part of God's son. That is the only way to be a child of God. Is through faith in Jesus. There is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father. He's calling people into family. God is our Father, and he's calling us into family. That's one of the greatest things that Jesus revealed in his ministry here on earth was that God is a Father. And, uh, man, this is really powerful. So verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So he's saying in, in the spirit realm, we are all one in Christ Jesus. We've been all baptized. We've been all been um, just saved. That's called the baptism of believers. That, that baptism is when the Holy Spirit convicts your heart of the Lordship of Jesus. You surrender your life. You, you, you repent of your sins. You repent of doing what you want to. And you say, God, I, I want to come into your family now. And you, you're baptized into into Jesus by the Holy Spirit. That's what that's talking about. So verse 28, there is, I love this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You know, our position in God's family. Man, I love this. You know, in the Old Testament, there there were different positions, and the firstborn son would have a greater position, they would have a greater inheritance according to the law, but in the New Testament, in this type of family, there isn't a, there isn't a double inheritance for certain people. Does that make sense? It, that, like if you're, if you're a male or a female, firstborn or secondborn, it doesn't make a difference. In this covenant, we all have a, an equal inheritance with the firstborn son. We are co-heirs now with Jesus. So it's saying here, there, this is a great, our position in God's family, it is a great spiritual reality. Man, people are often looking at race. People are looking at economic status. They're looking at gender. Man, religion will cause people to argue over those things ad nauseum. Well, does, does Pastor Barbara, is she authorized, you know, to, to preach at Flourish tomorrow? She's a woman. She's a child of God. She's anointed, Amen. Man, um, the world tries to divide. Man, that's how, that's how the world likes to conquer people. That's how politicians like to conquer people, is, is to create as much division as possible. There are people who thrive and who, who self-promote during times of division, and usually times of division, are, it's, it's, it's caused by certain people. And, and these, these, this division is often based upon race, It's based upon economic status, the haves versus the have-nots. Think about how many wars, how many revolutions have been fought over economic status. Even I just filled out my ballot here in Colorado. There's a lot of bills that are, well, we'll tax these people, but not you. So it's trying to pit the, well, if you make this, then you better vote for this, because it's not even going to affect you. Taxes always trickle down, though. They always find a way to to hurting the people in the middle. Rich people just find ways to get out of it. And it's always the people who voted those people in that end up getting hurt the most. It hurts everybody. Economic stat, and and even gender. Man, there's so much um, just crazy nonsense out there about gender right now. God has something so much better. Something so much deeper. We're called to be part of his family. Let's go on here. So there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So he said, if you are male, female, Jewish, Greek, rich, poor, slave, free, if you believe on Jesus Christ, you are all part of God's family. You are all Abraham's seed. You are all, all part of the promise that was given to Abraham. I like what the angel of the Lord spoke to Abraham when he was, after he, after he um, was going to offer his son Isaac. This is in Genesis 22. So go ahead and turn to Genesis 22, verse 15. Keep a finger there in Galatians, though, but go to Genesis 22, 15 through 18. So it says the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord. God, it's God swore this by himself. He, he, he is committed to this promise that he's making to Abraham and to Abraham's seed. Who here is in Christ? If you are in Christ, this is a promise for you, a promise to Abraham's seed. We see this here in Galatians 3. So this is, this is a promise the Lord has sworn by himself. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the sh- seashore. God wants to bring increase to his family. God's kingdom is still increasing. I love this. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Who here is the, is the seed of Abraham? We are to possess the gate of our enemies. That means we shouldn't live in fear. We shouldn't be, be constantly just trying to hide away. We should be trying to, to gain ground. We should possess the, I love that word, to Possess. You know, sons and daughters, they they have a a sense of possession, a sense of owning things. You know, my son Fisher, he feels like he owns the house. I told him, you know, Fisher, your name is not on the deed to this house. It's in my name. It's in your mom's name. You you don't own this house. He kind of acts like he possesses this house. Even Ada, (laughs) she thinks she can do what she wants to, probably because Dada just lets her. They have, you know, sons and daughters have, have a sense of possession, amen? And it's because they, they know their father has, has, possesses something. When you know that your father has, has power, he has ownership, he has possession, as a son and as a daughter, you're gonna, you're gonna act like you have some rights and privileges as a son of the great possessor, right? I love, I love what, what um, man, what, what Melchizedek spoke to Abram. He said, you are blessed by the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. God is the possessor of heaven and earth. Amen? So children should have a, a sense of ownership, a sense of possession, so even when there's enemies out there, man, they, their walls are ours. Their gates are ours. Their territory is ours. We're not gonna retreat. We're not gonna give up. We're not gonna, we're, we're not gonna back away. Amen? I'm not backing away from, from, from truth Amen? I'm not backing away from, from what God says is right. I'm not backing away from what, what Christians have done in this nation. I'm not backing away from what God says, what is a man, what is a woman, what marriage is. Amen. Marriage is between one man and one woman. It's ordained by God. Now, there's a certain politician by the name of Beto O'Rourke from Texas. Beto. Beto. He was just um, hobnobbing with T.D. Jakes this past weekend. Beto Beto is on the record saying that that, that he believes if any church, if any nonprofit organization says that marriage can't be between homosexuals, then he wants to take away their tax-exempt status. Beto will not get voted in. He's already tried to run before, and he kind of made someone here in Colorado famous by the name of Lauren Boebert. She showed up at one of his presidential rallies in Denver and questioned him on his belief that all guns should be stripped away from Americans. So, not only should churches be stripped away of their right to, to freedom of speech and freedom of religion, and all believers should be stripped away of those rights, but, you know, anyway, she, that's, that's why she's in office today. Thank you, Beta. <laughs> she's someone who possessed the gates of their enemies. Amen. All right. I need to get back on my notes here. So, your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham's seed will possess the gate of their enemies. And I'm not, I'm not living in fear today. God gave me a word when Ada was born from Psalm 112. You can turn there as well. Psalm 112. Verse 1 through 3, sorry I'm having you flip all around while keeping a finger in Galatians. Keep a finger in Galatians, I'll get back there, don't worry. Psalm 112, verse 1 through 3, it says, Praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. This is a promise, this is a song to people who are covenant people, people who are the seed of Abraham. Their descendants will be mighty on the earth. My children, my son, my daughter, they are going to be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. And That is so awesome. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Man, God has special promises for his children. You are an heir according to the promise. Let's go back to, to Galatians. Let's go back to Galatians here. Galatians 3.29 says, it says, if you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God has promises for his children. He had, just like he had promises for Abraham, he has promises for all of Abraham's seed, Man, that blessing, that is a powerful blessing, a blessing of ownership, a blessing of victory, a blessing of possession. Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. There will be enemies out there, but we don't need to be scared of them. I'm not scared of Beto. I'm not scared of Kamala. I'm not scared of watered-down, politically correct preachers out there, I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of, of, man, I'm a child of God. You attack me as a child of God, I know who backs me up. So I'm not going to live life in fear. We are heirs according to the promise. Galatians 4 verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. This is where Fisher is at right now. He is, he is not an owner of my house yet. He, he's still, his chore is to go pick up dog poop in the backyard. He's... He's on slave status right now. (laughs) He thinks he's an owner. He thinks he can do what he wants to. But I, I remind him, you are under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by me and your mom. And until then, you need to go do your chores. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When Jesus came and he redeemed us, that word redeemed, what did Jesus redeem us from? He he redeemed us from slavery. He redeemed us from slavery to several things, slavery to the law, to the curse of the law. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood that the curse would would be lifted off of us. Jesus became a curse for us so that we might be blessed through faithful Abraham. So anything that is mentioned in the curse, that curse the law, I know it is not for me. I know it is not God's will for me. I know that Jesus has already paid for it. That, that word redeemed means to be paid in full. I, I, don't, I don't have to spend one day sick and feel like it, like this is something that I have to have in order, in order to, to learn to be patient or to learn to, to whatever. Whatever. Because Jesus took the curse of the law upon himself. Anything that's mentioned in the curse. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So if you are in Christ, you are not cursed. The curse. If you read about the curse of the law in Deuteronomy 28. From verses 15 through 68, it lists all the curses. Anything mentioned in the curse, Jesus paid with his blood, so that does not have to be in your life. Disease is mentioned in the curse. So I I know as, as a covenant child of God, I can confess, I can believe this promise that no plague shall come near my dwelling. Poverty is mentioned in the curse. I know that because I'm blessed, because I'm the seed of Abraham, because I'm a child of God, because Jesus has blessed me, I'm a co-heir with Jesus. I I know that this promise is available to me that whatever I set my hand to will prosper. I don't even know how it works. I don't even know how it works. But I just try to listen to God and set my hand to what he says to set my hand to, and it prospers. You know, a few months ago, I I bought a really old flute. I played it here at a service. It was made in 1895. I got a really good deal on it. I bought this flute for about $5,000. It was completely black. I just took it apart, shined it up, played on it for a few months, and then I, I found another one just like it, but a little bit older. It was made in 1883. So I felt like I should buy the 1883 flute and sell the 1895 flute. And I just listed the 1895 flute. And I, I, I've never sold an antique instrument like that before. But within a month, actually, a month or two after having listed it, I sold it for $10,000. I, I didn't even know what I was doing. I just tried to listen to God and set my hand to what he tells me to set my hand to and do whatever he wants me to do. Poverty, poverty is not part of my identity. It's part of the curse, it's part of the curse. You know, if you wanna be poor, you can be poor. I was asked if, I, if I'd wanna to go to like a debate, an interdenomin, interdenominational debate and you know, debate the side of the prosperity gospel. I just said, no, you can come hear me preach if you wanna learn, but um, I already knew that, anyways. Yeah, just sometimes Sometimes to a fool you answer, sometimes to a fool you don't answer. I'm, I'm redeemed from defeat. Defeat is part of the curse. Being, having your enemies overtake you, having them possess your gates. I'm not a defeated person. I'm a victorious person. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. Madness, that is part, man, the world has gone mad. God has not given me a spirit of fear but of power of love and of a sound mind. I have a clear mind. Amen. I'm redeemed from confusion of heart. Jesus said to let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. My heart is not confused. I will not sing a song that starts off saying I'm so confused. In the curse, even, even there, even in the curse, there is a multi-generational curse. My children are not cursed. My descendants are mighty. My descendants take possession of the gates of their enemies. Amen. My children are blessed. Hallelujah. So we are redeemed from the cursed law. We are redeemed from performing according to the law. We are not led by the law. We can be led by the Spirit as sons and as daughters of God. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Right now, for my, for my son, he has lots of rules. He has laws because of, but, but there's a better way. I want him to eventually be able to just be led without rules. Right now, I have to set a timer when he turns on the TV or when he plays his Nintendo, I have to set a timer and set, set a rule down for him. I have to set boundaries for him because he, he, if I didn't set a boundary for him when he played the Nintendo, he'd play it for 12 hours straight. Maybe 24 hours straight, I don't know. But I know, I know that eventually he won't need that law over him. I know that eventually he'll grow, he'll mature, his desires will be, amen? As children of God, we we shouldn't just have all, just to live by rules and regulations. God wants us to be led, led. he wants to lead us through through our heart as sons, as daughters, amen? So we're redeemed from the law. We're redeemed from a a sin nature. Before Christ, people have a a sin nature. What is a sin nature? It means if you think something's right, it's right. If you feel like something's right, Your feeling is right. Whatever you, just follow your thoughts, follow your desires, follow your, just live for you. You are the God of your world. Ephesians 2, 3, it says it this way, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That's interesting, that there is a sin nature in the flesh, but also in the mind, And some, some people's minds are just it's, it's just, it's tragic what's happened to people's minds, what's happened to the, like, people's thinking of what's right, what's wrong, people's overall philosophy. And when you throw God out, it, 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 it um, allows other things to, to come in. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath just as others. I'm not a child of wrath. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of righteousness. I have an identity of righteousness, amen. I know that I've been redeemed from wrath. I've been redeemed unto salvation. I've been redeemed from sin. I've been redeemed unto righteousness. I like what the Bible says in 1 John 3, 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. This is talking about your spirit. This is talking about a a deep spiritual reality, for his seed remains in him. He cannot sin because he has been born of God. Jesus said if anyone, if anyone's going to have eternal life, he has to be born again. He has to be born with this special DNA. A spiritual DNA. God's seed is in me. God's DNA is in me. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it is inside of me. I am born of God. I'm a child of God. That is who I am. That is my identity. I am a son of God. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a child of wrath. I'm not an orphan. That that orphan heart, that, that is not who I am. I'm not gonna act like an orphan. I'm a part of a family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come home to my family. I'm not going to run away. Hallelujah. I'm going to end this message with the, the prodigal son. The prodigal son, man, he, he, had, he had position. He had power. He had rights. But he acted like an orphan. Right. He had an orphan heart because he didn't care about his father. He didn't care about what his father was doing for him, what his father wanted to do for him. It was all about him. It was an orphan heart, and that's what got him in trouble. I don't ha- that is not my identity. I'm a child of God. I have an identity as a son. The moment you receive Jesus, you are born again. You are born into his family. You are a child of God. Look at this in Galatians 4, verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Whenever, whenever I'm temp- tempted to, to think I'm an orphan, to think I'm abandoned, to think I'm not accepted by God, if I listen to God, he says, I love you. You're my son. I care about you. I want you home. That is always the voice of the Father. Any, any voice that says you're unworthy to run away, you don't have purpose, you don't have meaning, you're, you're, you're not strong enough, you're weak, you're... A beggar, that's not the voice of the Father. He puts his spirit into our hearts crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ. We should identify as children of God. I like what John 1, go ahead and turn to John 1 really quick. I want to talk about this identity as a child of God. And the world is in an identity crisis. Too many believers are in identity crisis." John 1: 12 and 13 it says, "But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. So because what Jesus did for me, I have a right to come home, I have a right to go to the Father, I have a right to be blessed, I have a right to be healed, I have a right to prosper. I have a right for me to set my hands to things, and for God to bless it, and to prosper it. You're not going to deny me of my right. Amen? He gave them the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name who are not born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God. So to to become children of God, you can't will it through the flesh. There's nothing that you can do on your own, through your own strength, through your own power, through your own goodness. There is nothing that you can do to, to become a child of God. It cannot be willed through your flesh. It cannot be willed through any man. It can only come through God. It can only come through faith in Jesus Christ. So when you put your faith in Jesus, he places his spirit inside of you, that spirit of adoption, crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. You're given a, deep within you. You know that you have a new birth certificate. The day you say yes to Jesus and his spirit comes and lives inside of you, you have a new birth certificate. Hallelujah. This is actually your most valuable form of ID. Your birth certificate will never change. This is your most valuable form of ID. That is what we need to, to celebrate as our identity. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't celebrate division. Amen? Amen. I, cel- I celebrate salvation. I celebrate Jesus Christ. So I don't, I don't care if you're black, you're white, you're old, young, rich, poor, I, I, don't, I celebrate Jesus. I celebrate Jesus in people's lives. You're given this new birth certificate, this new spirit within inside of you that always, that, you have this like navigational system inside of you that even, even if the world tries to pull you off track, there's something inside of you that, that's pointing right back to the Father. I'm not, I'm not scared of, you don't need to be scared of Pastor Aaron going bonkers someday. Because the moment I get a little bit off, I, the, 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 God's spirit in me is calling me back home. There are people who I'm accountable that are pointing me back home, giving me direction. People that God has pla- placed in my life, relationships that God has placed in my life. If I get a little kooky, my dad would set me straight. Pastor Mom would set me straight. Pastor Heather would set me straight. There there are several people who would set me straight. Amen? You need to have people in your life who can set you straight. Everyone does. We have this spirit inside. Man, that is so awesome. We have this, this spiritual identity inside of us that just knows deep within us. That's just calling out to the Father. Deep calls into deep. You know, a child by instinct knows who their mom and dad are. There's something, there's something in the heart of children. There's something in the heart of parents that know this is my son. This is my daughter. There's something about these kids that knows this is my mom. This is my dad. You know, I, I met Heather... Um, she moved here when Fisher was four years old. Her, her previous husband had passed away, of, of seven years he passed away. She moved here for Karis Bible College. We met, um, dated for a year, then got married um, three and a half years ago, right before Fisher started kindergarten. So he was five years old when we, when we got married. And um, during our year of dating, he just knew me as Aaron. He was, he was on all of our dates. I think we maybe went on two dates alone. Fisher, Fisher um, was our chaperone wherever we went. And um, so he just knew me as Aaron. He knew me as, as a friend. And um, shortly, short, shortly after we got married, we, we never taught him. You know, we never instructed him, never coached him. Just sometime after we got married, a few weeks after we got married, just in his own heart, he just started calling me dad on his own. And God, God did something in my heart too when I married Heather that, that um, Fisher became my son. God actually spoke to me and said, said that raising Fisher, being his dad would be one of the greatest privileges of my life. God put that deep in my heart. He told me that Fisher would actually, like I'd have a great impact in my lifetime, but Fisher's impact, his influence would, would exceed mine. And that raising him into being a man of God will be one of the greatest privileges of my life. So just something, something in his heart, something in my heart knew that, that we, were, we were family, that he was my son, and, and I'm his dad. And it's awesome because now that Ada's come, come along, Ada's first word was dada. You know, we're just one family. It's not that, that, that I'm dad to Ada and I'm something else to Fisher. We're, we're just one family that God's brought together, amen? And um. God, God wants to, God wants to bring, bring his children to his heart. He, he wants to, to bring families closer together. That's a reflection of God's heart. That's things that God is doing in the spirit. He wants reflected here in earthly relationships as well. I was thinking about this great end time prophecy. It's from Malachi 4 verse 6. The last um, verse in the Old Testament it said, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. That, that's something that's going to happen in, in a great way, in a great way before Jesus comes, that, that there's going to be this great connection between fathers and children. This is, this is a reflection of what God is doing, his heart for people here on this earth, but also, I believe, in the natural too. And because this is God's heart in the spirit realm, I know the enemy is going to do everything he can fight, both in the spirit realm and in, in the natural realm. He's going to be fighting fatherhood. He's going to be fighting sons and daughters. He's gonna be stirring up that, that identity crisis, that orphan spirit. So I, I'm coming here tonight to rebuke an orphan spirit, to rebuke it here on this earth, to rebuke it in the church, to rebuke it in families, that, 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 that spirit that drives people into isolation, that spirit that drives people away from family, that spirit that drives people away from the church, that spirit that drives people into thinking they know better than everyone else, That is an orphan spirit. We can discern the voice of our father. We will not answer the voice of another. We know who our father is. We know that he is good and wants good things for us and to lead us along the best path for our lives. So now I want to talk about the mindset of a son. If you know who you are, if you identify as a child of God, that is going to change how you think that's gonna change your whole attitude, your whole, your soul, your attitude, your, your emotions, your, and that, when your thinking changes, that's gonna change how you act. You're gonna act like a child of the king. Ada thinks she's a princess. So she, she acts like a princess. We just got her a little princess outfit. Princess Anna from Frozen. And she, she likes that thing. I, I'm destined to be a princess. You know, Hebrews 4, 16, as a son, as a daughter of the king, it says we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Whenever you have a need, man, I need God every moment, every hour. I'm coming boldly to his throne of grace all the time. We come boldly to that throne. We don't have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of boldness. Yeah. Sons act with a certain boldness yeah. that servants don't act with. Fisher knows he, he's my son. So when he's at home and his friends are at home, he acts with a certain boldness. You know, he just goes right to the fridge and just takes whatever he wants out of it. I have one pet peeve with Fisher. It's when he, he, you know, I buy him pretty nice kid drinks like Capri Sun and Punches and Danimals and these different things, but he'll, he'll just skip all of that and go right to my drinks. And I have like these nice uh, Stevia soda drinks. They're good. Papa Lawson was over at my house and he said, those are expensive. And Fisher just cracked it open right in front of my dad, right in front of Papa, and just took one sip. And I think it's all he drank from it. Just one sip. That's kind of a pet peeve of mine, when he takes these expensive drinks and just will have one or two sips. He does that because he, he knows he's a son. He can be bold because he's a son. Ada is a daughter. She knows she's my daughter, so she knows she can be bold as a daughter. One of the things that she loves to do now is to, to open the door and go into the garage and knock on my car. She and she says, car, car, car. And she wants to get in my car, play in my car. She thinks this is her car. She likes to push all the buttons, you know, drive the steering wheel. She's not strong enough to honk the horn, but she says, beep, beep, beep. She feels like this is her car. She's not even 16. She's barely, she's going to be two in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so Sunday, I just let her sit in my lap. I, I got the keys going. I showed her the garage door open. I let her push that button. She loves to push buttons. And the garage door opened up, and she started clapping. She was really excited. And I turned on the car with her sitting in my lap in the driver's seat, she got really excited. And we just went on a little cruise around the neighborhood. I, I played her favorite song, it's been her favorite song for the past two years, basically. It's I Thank God. And whenever you know the song goes, I thank God, she goes, God! It's the one word she knows from that song. And it's the, it's the one song that I know will calm her down. So we just did family photos this past weekend. And um, she doesn't like sitting still for pictures or, or for anything. Really, so the only way we can get her to, to sit still and be excited and to smile is to play I Thank God. So we have that thing on repeat in our back pocket, full blast while we're taking our family pictures and she's smiling and looking happy. <laughs> Take a picture. <clears throat> but one year ago we did family pictures, and I remember we, we did the exact same thing, we had to play the exact same song, full blast, on repeat in our pocket for our family pictures exactly a year ago, it's kind of funny. Nothing new under the sun. So we, we went up, went for a little drive Sunday afternoon around the neighborhood. You know, she got to push up up and down with the window and we just had, I thank God, on full blast and she thought she was really cool driving her car because this is her car, car, dada, car. <laughs> Heather, Heather claims I just let her do whatever she wants to. I think she's right. <laughs> There's a certain boldness that comes with that mindset of being a child of God. Amen. We should be bold. I like what the Bible says. As sons, as daughters, we are made righteous, right? And the righteous are bold as lions. We don't have to be paralyzed by the fear of failure. We can go out. We can take possession. We can knock on the gates of our enemies and expect those gates to fall down. You know, God gave me this picture of of just someone on a tightrope walking across a raging river. I don't have super great balance. I'm kind of like Ada. She didn't learn how to walk until she was 16 months old. She's a little careful. But I I just had this picture of someone walking on a tightrope. And if you knew that there was a safety net down below, you wouldn't be as scared to go across. Some people, God God is calling you to do do some great things, to step out by faith, to take new territory, to maybe walk out on a tightrope, but you don't need to be afraid because he's always there as a father. There is always a safety net there. Amen. He's our refuge. He's our fortress. You don't need to be afraid. He will always keep us safe. Amen. All right, now this last thing, I want to go really quick to the story of the prodigal son. Let's go to Luke 15. We'll start in verse 11. It says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. There wasted his possessions with prodigal living but when he had spent all there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into fields to feed swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the paws that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything." You know, this, this, this person was a son. He was at home with the father, but something happened in his heart. He, I, I believe he had something called an orphan spirit. He didn't realize what the father had for him. He didn't realize that he was already home, what God had already done for him, and, and he, he, he wanted to, to be isolated, to be away, to be around kooky people, to try to find his identity with kooky people. He despised his rights as a, as a son. He, he despised his rights as a child. And man, when you despise those birthrights, it won't be long before you're living with the pigs. When you're trying to find your identity in the world, you're going to end up living with the pigs. You're going to end up living in slop, eating slop. Just There are two spiritual fathers out there. There is our heavenly father, and there is another father that Jesus mentioned. You are of your father, the devil, and one father is much better than the other one. The, the, the father, the devil, he, he might paint it like it's a good picture, but you're going to end up you're going to end up in the slop with him as your father. By, but, but when he came to himself verse 17. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and despair and I perish with hunger? What caused him to come to himself? What caused him to have this revelation? What caused this light bulb moment? He just started thinking about the father. And his mind wasn't capable of thinking about all the goodness of his father. He could just think about a tiny bit of goodness from his father. Hey, even my father, even his servants, even the people who are on the bottom of the totem pole, my father's hired servants, they have bread enough and also to spare. They actually have more than enough. He couldn't even really relate his father's love to himself, but he, could just, he just pictured a little bit of the father's goodness. And just, just a little bit of, of him imagining of him, picturing of him, having this realization of the father's goodness, that's what caused him to, to come back home. So he said, I'm going to rise, go to my father, and we'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He arose, came to the father, and when he was still a great way off, and his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said, the father actually kind of stopped him before he was able even to give his full speech that he had practiced. The father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry, for my son was dead, but he's now alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be, Mary. I love, the, I love what happens when he comes to the father's house. The son didn't have to do anything. He didn't even have to take a bath. There was nothing that son could have done to make himself worthy. He kind of thought, man, I, I want to work for it. Let me be a servant. Let me do something. But right away, just complete grace. Complete, you are completely my son. You are completely my child. You are completely worthy. You are worthy of the very best. You are worthy of the very best robe, You're worthy of this ring that represents authority. You are worthy of these sandals. You're going to take possession. God, the Father, is the one who makes us worthy. Amen. He's the one who's calling us all home right now. He's the one who's calling us all to be a part of his family. And I believe that right now it is God's heart in this great end time harvest to call in people into his family. Amen. People who, who are outside of the family to call back people who were born into the family but forgot about it. I, I, God God is not giving people an orphan heart. I believe that God wants, wants the heart of the children to come back home to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to be towards the children. People who have compassion, people who have grace, people who put on the best robe on people. People who, who minister to other people through grace, through reconciliation, through love, amen. Love covers a multitude of sins. That's what that. That's what that robe did. It covered all the slop, all the stink, all the failure, all of his debt, all. It covered everything. So I, I believe that right now, God, God is not. He, And I I just felt like preaching against an orphan spirit, an orphan heart that is coming after too many people, especially young people. Young people that, that have no sense of purpose, no sense of identity, no sense of home, no sense of family, no sense of belonging, no sense of community, no sense of value. And God, God is, is calling sons and daughters home right now. So I, I just rebuke that orphan spirit. I, I, I'm calling people home. I'm calling people back home. I'm calling new people into this home. And our home is always with the Father because Jesus paid the price. He paid the price for us to have the best, to have the best drum, the best string, the best sandals, the, the, the best dinner which here, I love the metaphor of a fatted calf. The world is now saying cattle is bad for the world. Man, what, what a joke. I don't care what you eat, it's your right. Your body, you can eat what you want, but I'm gonna eat beef until the day I die. That's good. If beef was such a bad thing, then why do you know, vegans try to make their vegetables taste like beef? I don't take steak and try to make it taste like broccoli. So I think I know what's better. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to Center.com or call us at 719-418-4000.